As the cost of genomic sequencing continue to decrease, our next guest mission is to ensure all stakeholders understand this technology's transformative power and why it will positively impact personalized medicine for generations to come. Dr. Mikolai Rozik, founder of Mergo Genomics, joins us to discuss how his company is enhancing safe access to genomic sequencing technologies worldwide. Additionally, Dr. Rozik shares why he believes we should all take an active role with genomic sequencing as we continue to shape our collective knowledge and understanding of it from biological, ethical, and legal points of view. Join us for this needed conversation as we learn how Dr. Rozik and the Mergo Genomics team are improving access to genomic sequencing. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Razik, a very warm welcome to our podcast, and thank you for joining up today. Thank you for having me. Well, since 2014, you've been hard at work dedicating yourself and your company to provide greater awareness about the benefits and limitations of genome sequencing and the opportunity for the general public to access this game-changing technology. So with that said, I'm eager to have this important and timely conversation. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Mikolai. It's almost time for our community to learn how you and the Marrow Genomics team are making the benefits of genome sequencing accessible to the general public. But first, what is that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? Definitely, I would say persistence. You cannot let others sway you from not following your dreams that you believe in, because most likely your true passionate dreams are going to be the best thing to follow in your life. So persist to complete your tasks and dreams. Well, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Mikolai. If there's one thing that I've learned along my entrepreneurial journey, and we're going to talk about yours here for the remainder of the show and how you built the entire Merogenomics company, why it came to be in the first place. But if there's one thing that I learned throughout my entire journey is exactly that. You must be persistent and you must be consistent with your persistence because it just takes so much to build a company. I'm so glad that you led with that. And I know that we're going to hear a lot about that today. I'm sure there's been a lot of persistence along the way in the, in the Merogenomics journey as well, eh? Definitely. It was not an easy journey because I found myself in that chicken and egg situation where I had to get contracts with DNA testing companies while not having contracts with clinics and which one comes first, right? So the persuasion had to kick in there. And that took a long time to be able to build these relationships so that I was able to attain that. 
Well, I'm looking forward to discussing that entire journey, figuring out how you tackled the chicken and egg uh, conundrum that is the typical in the entrepreneurial journey after we get back from thinking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side-by-side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation. Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit catalysthealthtech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Dr. Mikolai Rozik, founder of Merogenomics. Mikolai, thank you so much for joining up today. I know virtually you're a little north of me up in Canada. I'm down here in Colorado. It is so great to be able to connect and meet up and discuss everything happening in the Merogenomics camp. And of course, more importantly, the whole genome sequencing movement. I mean, this is going to be a game changer. I think we're still early. I can't wait to hear where you and the team see things or where they're currently at. And of course, where they're heading what we should be thinking about, not as just industry leaders, but even potentially as consumers of these products and of these technologies. So a lot to unpack today, a lot to uncover, and I cannot wait to learn from an industry expert just like yourself. But of course, let's first take it back a bit. How'd the company come to be in the first place? What were those aha moments? How did Marrow Genomics become what it is today? So it started, I actually have a genetics degree. So the first degree I got was in genetics. And I followed that up with a doctorate degree in biochemistry, which was actually very fortuitous because they're related fields and they really enhanced my power in terms of understanding and uh, science, scientific literature. But it was during my doctorate degree that the technology came out to the market. It was demonstrated for the first time that was able to decode human genome. So it was revelational at the time when that happened. And it captured my imagination and interest right away. It was instantaneous in terms of the way I was thinking because of my prior background in genetics that this will be transformative and it will change the medicine. And I started basically studying that information and got into it ever since. I knew immediately that I would want to be following this trend and this technology. I wasn't sure at all at the time how I'm going to do this, but I knew that I wanted to make this available to the public since that moment. And I've been following that dream ever since. And take us back to that moment. Give us some time so we can understand, you know, for, especially for people that are lay people too, genome sequencing and this entire movement. Give us a time frame of when was this? What year was this? When did these things become, as you mentioned, revelational to you? Give us a, a little bit of a time frame. So the demonstration of this technology, which is referred to as next generation sequencing, would have been in 2007. That's when it was first demonstrated and was released to the market. At the time, if you wanted to sequence your genome, meaning decode your entire DNA code, it would have cost several million dollars just because of 
the fact that there was brand new technology. Right now, you can do this at just cost of a few thousand dollars. And the cost of decoding your DNA is much cheaper. The real cost of this process is actually analysis, medical analysis of your, of your genome. But at the time, it was still several million dollars. And a few years later, it would still cost well in excess of $20,000 and so on. But very rapidly, the technology was shifting so that the cost was dropping rapidly because chemistry was improving and so on. And also very rapidly, medical community embraced this technology because it became transformative. So one area, for example, that was massively impacted very rapidly was oncology. So cancer genomics really transformed that field of medicine. But almost every aspect of medicine you can think of has been transformed by genomics since then. So that was 2007. Obviously, you did quite a bit of studying. You have an amazing background academically. You went and actually lived over in one of my favorite countries I love to visit, which is Germany. What a great place. I cannot wait to be able to travel to faraway lands one day after this pandemic cools a bit. But you go over there, you work a bit, and you come back. And you come back to Canada and you start, I believe, having these revelations like, oh my gosh, I'm going to build a company because of this movement. Give us a little insight there. How did that all come together and and how did the company come to be? (laughs) I'm giggling because I probably did it in the most challenging and difficult way possible, but I did it the only way I knew how, which was to study scientific literature. So I started studying all the information that was already published in terms of how medical genomics was being processed and delivered in very large medical centers around the world, because those were the only centers that were able to afford to bring this as part of their services. And I just started studying that literature to see how can I copy this and be able to bring it to lower level, as I would say, everyday doctors, because that's my dream and fantasy is for everyday doctors to be able to access this technology. And it took a long time for me to get through this, but not just in terms of acquisition of information. I must admit for myself, one of the reasons why it took me so long to study and feel very comfortable and confident about myself and the delivery of this information is because I knew that I had to be comfortable talking to medical doctors. And that was a huge barrier to overcome in terms of being able to go and preach and educate medical doctors, because that's a very intimidating area. So it took a long time before I was able to tell myself, yes, I got this. I got this. I can go and explain this and deliver this information. So that took a few years. I would say about three years of just hard or studying every little aspect behind what it means to deliver medical genomics and all the different guidelines that have been published around the world at the time, the ethics behind that. How do we protect patients? How do we protect doctors as well? It just took a lot of information to know how to put those pieces together in order to eventually bring the company into existence. And of course, I got to ask before we talk about the company and I ask you, what is Mero Genomics? Because we're going to go there. We're going to dive deep and be able to educate our community on all the wonderful things happening with your company. But before we go there, Mikolai, did you always know that you were going to launch a company? Did you have that on your roadmap for your professional career? And what has it been like? So not at all. This was not even on the radar 
it was basically a whim. But once I got introduced to the technology, the desire to follow this and the passion to get involved and create my own business, it was very unequivocal. It was something that I, at that point, I knew I want to do. And it was the last chance in life, I suppose. I, I was That's how I felt at the time. You have to establish your career in either one way, which is academically, or you're going to go private way and go into business. I had to decide at that point, and I decided to put all my eggs in one basket, if you will, and went for it without proper background, because I'm a scientist, not a business person from my background. I'm fortunate I get to mentor and advise a lot of startups, and I've been advised by a lot of amazing mentors through my startup and entrepreneurial journey as well. And I say the following, sometimes just jumping in, putting all eggs in one basket, jumping into the deep end of the pool, even before you know how to swim, or as we like to also say, start building the airplane while it's in flight. That's how you learn, right? There's nothing wrong with that at all. And I always mention as well, and I'm sure you've noticed this through your journey, Mikolai, is that failure is actually part of the journey to being successful. There is nothing wrong with experimenting, trying new things, failing, failing fast, learning from them. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And I always like to make that a point because we have to remember that the art of entrepreneurialism is the journey in and of itself. And along the way, there's going to be pivots and adjustments, failures and successes, but it's what you learn from all of that that really, truly takes you to that next level of building thriving and exciting company, which of course you guys have been after and doing this now for quite some time with Merrill Genomics. So let's go there, Mikolai. What is Merrill Genomics? Merrill Genomics is a company that provides private access to medical DNA testing. So there's maybe a couple ways of describing us. We are in a way like a glorified distributor of multiple different medical DNA testing options. So we cover different areas. We divide our customers into basically four different target groups. And we also provide education to the customers. And we make sure that as they go through the process, they do it all correctly. So while we provide access to medical DNA testing, we also make sure that every little step is done correctly. And no one has to feel scared of the process because it is complicated, but then you have some guidance along the way. And when you mention you providing access to it, who are you providing that access to? Who are those stakeholders? Who are those consumers? Who are the people that you're working with on the daily with Merogenomics? So those, the companies that offer medical DNA testing that I work with, they all are positioned in the United States. And the reason why is because historically, United States, that's where the technology was invented and demonstrated. So they were the first ones to start developing it and also the first ones to offer it commercially. So they, as in the United States, has longest track record of experience. As a consequence, some of the best companies in the world, at least when it comes to medical interpretation of the DNA, are located in the United States. So we work with companies, of course, we provide the services to Canadian patients, we could technically provide it to people from outside that country as well. Of course, being located in Canada, I focus on Canadian patients, but the testing itself is done in the United States. Then the doctor gets the report from the company in the United States. Got it. And so let's also talk about testing. Let's get into the weeds a little bit. 
and I'm asking really selfishly because I want to know for myself, what exactly is clinical DNA testing? So there's a lot of different DNA tests out there. You might have heard this comment that there's something like 10 different DNA tests coming out on the market every day. So there's a, a lot out there, but a lot of it is honestly garbage. And the reason why is because a lot of DNA testing will offer interpretation based on information that's available in published scientific literature, but it's not necessarily been validated. So when it comes to clinical or medical DNA testing, this is where you assess the outcomes, predictive outcomes from what your DNA tells you to what the medical outcomes might be. And that information has to be validated through experience. There's different societies that collect that information and they catalog it and they verify it and they stratify it in terms of level of evidence. And the higher the level of evidence determines what information is actually delivered to the doctor. And the reason why is because if a doctor gets to use this information, we're talking about potentially manipulating someone's life at that point, right? Like the doctor has to determine how do I manage my patient with this additional information that I have in my hands. So that information has to be very accurate. You cannot run a mistake of providing wrong information to a doctor. That would be the difference in terms of medical DNA testing. And that also determines the price. If you want medical DNA testing that focuses specifically in how DNA outcomes relate to your health outcomes, you need to go with specialized companies. And you mentioned earlier as well, and thank you for that, Mikolai, but you mentioned earlier as well that one area that you guys are really focusing on is obviously oncology. What other areas of medicine, what other disciplines of medicine do you see this world, this world of testing, genetic testing, applying itself to, even if it's today and tomorrow? Where do you see those other disciplines really bubbling up that can take advantage of this technology? The way we divide all of our clients is into four categories. And first one is people who are presumed healthy, who simply want to screen themselves to see what they might uncover in their genetics without presenting any clinical symptoms at the moment. The second group would be cancer patients. So we just covered that. Third one would be people uh, with undiagnosed diseases. And that's where this can cover a very wide area of medical specialties. So that's where neurology comes in, cardiology comes in. And this is more common than people realize when people go through testing odyssey, sometimes for many, many years trying to uncover as to what is actually medically wrong with them. But the medical system cannot provide that answer because of the complexity of their phenotype or basically what the disease that's presented in them. It makes it very challenging for doctors to know what test to apply to actually obtain diagnosis. And that's why sometimes such individuals can go for years at a time in order to determine what is wrong with them. With genome sequencing, 50% of the time or higher, you will find out what the issue is. And then the final group is prenatal testing. So we're talking about testing for pregnant women. And so through all of that, and thanks for mapping that out, because that, of course, then begs for a few more questions as well. In regards to, there's so many tests, as you mentioned, but if there was that one test, Mikolai, if there's that one test, what would you and the team recommend everyone should do? So then if I had to only pick one test, then 
I would think of pharmacogenetic test. And the reason why pharmacogenetic test, which means basically determining from your DNA how you handle medications personally, based on your own biology, most often it's linked to correlating mutations in your metabolizing enzymes to the outcomes of how those enzymes will break down drugs in your system. And that can determine appropriate dosing to you. So I think if there was one test, that one probably could have the largest impact on our society. Of course, if you could afford it, then I would say go for full genome as opposed to something like pharmacogenetic testing. Because with pharmacogenetic testing, that test, you only look at tiny little snippet of your genetic information only to correlate to the medications you might be handling. If you can do full genome, that's the best because you're getting information that is not only good for you, but good for your family for multiple generations after person is not even around anymore. But with pharmacogenic testing, if everyone could do it, I think that one would have most immediate largest impact. And the reason why I also mentioned is because it's the cheapest test in the catalog of tests that we offer. And it's also easiest to interpret by the doctors. And finally, everyone gets actionable results. If you take that test, you're looking at several hundred medications that could be correlated to your genetics. These are validated already. Everyone will learn some information that based on your genetics, you should avoid this medication or you should potentially dose this medication in such way and not in the way that normally doctor would prescribe it to you. Well, appreciate that. And of course, that's today. And that's what's most impactful today from your perspective as an expert in this field. Let's talk a little tomorrow as well. Where do you see this field continuing to grow more on the macro, not just in the U.S., not just in Canada, but globally? Where do you see things heading? What's the future of medical genetics? And then, of course, where does merogenomics play in all of that? Give us a little bit of that future crystal ball look. Absolutely. That's actually the funnest part to talk about. I do believe that eventually we're going to reach a phase where every single individual that will be born will be sequenced immediately upon birth. And it will be part of our standard healthcare. And the reason why is because when you decode your genome, you screen yourself for several thousand diseases in one go with a single test. Number one and number two, the vast majority of human diseases actually materialize in early childhood. So you can appreciate how if you obtain that information immediately upon birth, how many potential issues you might uncover, and then you know immediately how to attempt to mitigate that or at least decrease the potential impact of any condition that might be materializing down the road. So that will be the future. How we might be involved would be my personal dream and desire is to bring this technology to everyday doctors. So we're talking about general practitioners because in order for this revolution to happen, Everyone has to be familiar with this. And that means your regular doctors, because your regular doctors that we all go to see our family doctors, those are the people that see most patients. So they actually encounter the vast array of all these problems. Once family doctors are familiar with genomics, that's when I believe we'll see the revolution. And this is why exactly we built this business around the area to be able to set up any clinic with access to medical DNA testing. So two questions out of that. The first one, how far out are we from doing a full sequence of every newborn on the planet? Like how many years out are we on that? And then of course, how far out are we on general practitioners having this as part of the arsenal that they have to help treat and take care of their own patients? So two of those questions, how far out does that horizon look for both? So in terms of 
newborn screening with full genome sequencing, that is in not too distant future, I believe. It really will depend on further studies of clinical utility of this before we finally persuade ourselves that this is extremely valuable and we should employ this because in the grand scheme, it's not very expensive anymore. And there's been calls for it already through different healthcare authorities to start doing this in many different parts of the world. And it's already being assessed, for example, in, in the United States in terms of the, le- the impact that it has for screening, the beneficial impact by that is what I mean by that. Now, in terms of doctors having access to this, I believe here we are a bit further away. And the reason why is because pretty much all doctors know about medical DNA testing. All doctors know about this. The problem is is the vast majority of doctors do not know anything about it and what to do with this. And the reason why is because it was never part of the medical curriculum. As I mentioned, the technology was only born in 2007. So very recent, very recent. And the vast majority of all of doctors say here in Canada, the average age of a doctor is in their 50s. So their medical education far preceded the birth of technology. So our regular doctors, they don't know. And they're intimidated. They're unfamiliar with this. No one wants to obviously run the risk of making a big screw up. And it will take longer time to bring it to everyday use than I think it will take to bring it to hospitals in terms of newborn screening. I think that is faster horizon than every doctor bring offering this. Imagine when the day when you come into your family doctor and your doctor says, what, you haven't sequenced your genome yet? All right, we're doing this right now. <laughs> wow. But I think wow. that will come one day too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's an exciting one and an intriguing future around this. And then of course, what it means from being able to do all of that and what does it mean to you know push health and, and global and population health forward from all the stuff that we're going to learn, be able to leverage. You know, where I get excited about is then layering on top for the data, machine learning, artificial intelligence, big data. I mean, just the opportunities are enormous and it's going to be an exciting, exciting space to be in. But of course, we also want to be able to help you out, Mikolai. We have an amazing community that uh, is passionate about these types of topics, of course, that's why we have you on. So we want to be able to turn around and ask you, what's one problem need or question that you and the team have that we can be helping you with? One of the greatest challenges that I encounter is actually access to medical doctors, because that's not my space. That's, that was not my background. And a lot of doctors are suspicious. They're nervous. And without connections with medical doctors, it's challenging to bring these services to a clinic. So for me, always the biggest value is introduction to doctors that would be interested in medical DNA testing. That's definitely the the biggest one because eventually things grow exponentially. Once enough doctors hear about it, once enough doctors work with me, doctors talk to other doctors. And when they can validate it with their own experience that we've incorporated these type of services in our clinic, we're now offering medical DNA testing or genome screening for our patients in our clinic. That's very impactful, but it's challenging for someone like myself to attempt to constantly reach out to doctors and persuade them to have the conversation with me and that I actually bring a service of value to them. But that's not my background. My background is hard sciences as opposed to medicine. 
Well, I know that there's probably a, a lot of physicians out there that are excited about this that tune in, or of course, friends of those physicians that know that they have this type of passion. So in order to be able to get a hold of you and the team, Nikolai, where can we find you online, social media handles, websites, or otherwise, where can our community find you to have those conversations? So website is probably going to be one of the easiest ones. It's merogenomics.ca, mero, M-E-R-O, genomics.ca. And email is easy, info at merogenomics.ca. And we're present on social media and on many platforms, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube channel, Instagram. I'm not even sure because my marketing director is exploding all over. And all of these are related to merogenomics handle. Perfect. Well, all of those contact points will be in the episode notes. So simply scroll down in your podcast player to click on through to get a hold of Mikolai and the team. Of course, you can always head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com to find a post about this episode, all those contact points online. And of course, you can leave some feedback and comments in this section uh, right below all of those contact points in his post, again, over at passionatepioneers.com. So Thank you for that, Mikolai, and looking forward to our community to be able to reach out to you and the team. Of course, we have one more section, and then we'll get you out of here so you can keep building your company. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? I love doing what makes me personally happy because the meaning of my life is created by my desire to do what I want to do, meaning involving my heart because it gives me a sense of purpose. I love it. And that's what keeps entrepreneurs fueled, the ones that are going after what truly is meaningful to them. And I can tell from the conversation today and leading up to this recording, Mikolai, you and the team have it. You guys are doing incredible work, important work, really pushing the boundaries of where we're going to go next in this industry and with this type of technology. So thank you for everything that you do, Mikolai. Thank you for taking time to meet up today. It was an absolute honor. Wishing you and the team all the best. But for now, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.